definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I'm not, not, not lose. lose. I'm a bad man. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here, uh, interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing at it all while providing a platform to be heard. So, without further ado, you know how we do it. Around this time, we like to welcome our guests. So, today, we have... HBCU grad. All right. She's going to give us the success playbook so we can master the arts of taking the L's. All right. We have two time author, speaker, and a game changer in heels. We have NFL executive. Please, 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 please clap it up for Chanel Reynolds. All right. Chanel. Hey, 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 hey. That's Hi. Cool. Right, right. <laughs> I was going to love that introduction. You like that? You like that? Okay. We, we're going to make sure we bring you in well. All right. So, how we start our show, all right, so we talk about a shoot-your-shot moment. This is where you kind of tell the folks, you know, a time that you bet on yourself, went for it all. It could have been good, or you could have taken a... Please kind of share that shoot-your-shot moment with us. Um, I'll say with every job I've had in the industry, I shot my shot via LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a scoop tip right there. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, I applied on teamwork, but to stand out, I always found either the hiring manager or somebody on the hiring team and found something in common on their LinkedIn page. And I shot him a note. That's that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's real cool. So, uh, Chanel, where, where did your love for sports start? So it definitely started um, when I was a child. So my father, very big sports fan. So we used to go to some of the Sixers games growing up um, and it was cool. So eventually, you know, when I got into college, my first internship was was with the Wells Fargo Center, uh, home of the Philadelphia 76ers, the hockey team, all that amazing stuff. Um, And I got to see firsthand not only live events, but live sporting events. Um, so I would say that my love for sports as a business side was cultivated there during my internship. And then just from there, like I knew once I graduated, whatever I did in like post-graduation for my career had to be fun. Like I was going to be doing it every day from nine to five. So, um, why not go with where my, my, where my passion is? So yeah, that's me. That's my backstory. So, so basketball, right. Is, is, is your favorite sport, right? It's the A1. <laughs> uh, you know, just you know, read some stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes. Basketball is my favorite sport. So, what about basketball? I heard your your favorite athlete was Iverson. What about Iverson <laughs> made him the guy for you? <laughs> um. So it was honestly that whole that era where it was like Iverson, Matumbo, Aaron McKee, like all those guys. They just Aaron McKee. Well. He made that list for you. They were, they were fun to watch. <laughs> they played together well, and they were fun to watch. Um. But AI, of course, stood out because like he was for the culture, right? He changed the game. He changed the culture. We all wore our AI braids. We had our jerseys. Like we, everybody wanted to be AI. So that's where that came from. He's definitely for the culture. I mean, changed some policies along the way. <laughs> definitely did. <laughs> so 
you're born in Delaware. Is that correct? Born and raised in Delaware. Don't ask me what's in Delaware. Um, <laughs> it's a pass-through state, uh, but I love my Delaware. MH, have you ever been to Delaware? It's a pass-through state. So, yeah, I think, <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I think I have touched Delaware soil. I just haven't been there very long. I'm trying to figure out where it's at on the map. I, I mean, I got to go back to me. geography. Yeah, and it's like, where, where are we at on the map? Where are we at on the map? Y'all, we are the first state. I hear that all the time. Like, we're on the East Coast. We're below Pennsylvania, but above Maryland or to the left. We, we on the coast. <laughs> y'all, y'all there. Okay. Okay. We, there. we there. We in there. So growing up in Delaware. So, I mean, fun fact for those that don't know is that you're a twin, which is like amazing, you know, cause that's a rarity thing. I mean, so how is it and how much do you enjoy being a twin or is it a headache at sometimes? <laughs> um, having a twin is like having a built-in bestie. Like that's, that's your girl. Y'all have each other's back. Um, is she annoying? Absolutely. But I mean, all siblings are annoying. So, but yes, I love having a twin. And then, you know, you guys, you have four other sisters. So <laughs> your, da your dad's prayer game has to be real tough. Because <laughs> like MH understands what it is. And he just has a daughter right now. So your prayer <laughs> game, your pop's prayer game has to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like. I don't understand how that happened to have five girls. He kept trying for a boy, but God was like, I said what I said. Right. <laughs> all girls. So uh, how many L's did you take to sis? Who's older, who's younger? And how many L's did you take? So I'm younger by one minute. Um, how many L's did I take to her? Come on. Ah. Uh <laughs> Oh, let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right. Okay. So Delaware strong. You went to an HBC. We said that in the opening, right? How did you choose Delaware state to go to versus, you know, or just take me through that kind of when you were looking at what college where you wanted to extend your, you know, your, your education, I should say, how did you stick with that and stick with the home team? Yeah, so I knew for a fact I wanted to attend an HBCU. Okay. Um, my mother attended one, which happened to be Delaware State, but that wasn't my driving factor. Um, we had shows like A Different World on TV. Like we would go on YouTube and just look at the homecoming. So we, my sister and I knew we wanted to go to um, an HBCU. Um, we wanted to stay together. So my parents was like, okay, cool. Y'all going to get that in-state tuition. In-state. Delaware State it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't necessarily choose Delaware State. My parents chose it, but it was the best decision that they made of my life. So tell me about that experience, right? Because like, of course, when you think about HBCUs, there's like names that people rattle off and there's more that are coming into prominence, you know, so like a Jackson State for obvious reasons from more from their sports and, and who their head coach is. But tell us about that experience of going to that HBCU. Yeah, um, going to an HBCU to me was, like I said, it was a no-brainer. Um, in school, while I was in high school, I always knew I was going to have impact in the business world. I didn't know it would be sport, but I always knew I was going to have impact. And I always thought to myself, um, and I, I hope nobody gets offended, but oh well, a white male professor will not teach me how to be a dominant Black woman in corporate America. I Same need <laughs> a Black... Does that make sense? I hope it does. 100%. 100%. 
Yeah, it, I mean, our experience is different. I need to learn from someone who's been there, who can teach me the ins and outs, who can show me how to navigate as a black woman in the corporate space. Um, so I knew what HBCU was going to be for me. Uh, the experience overall was amazing. HBCUs are like a family. Uh, the calf ladies become your aunties, your professors pray for you. It's just a different experience. Um, throwing Greek life on top of that, it was literally four years of being on top of the world. I love it. Now, have you guys had your homecoming yet? Because it is kind of like homecoming season. I'm seeing it on the gram. Everybody <laughs> coming back, feeling renewed, <laughs> going back home. So uh, have you guys had yours and uh, do you get to attend? So, yeah, I get to attend this weekend. So I'm excited for it. Let's go. So AKAs, why, why do you choose uh, that sorority? <clears throat> I mean, it's fitting, you know, the first <laughs> and the finest. <laughs> um, trailblazers, you know. Um, committed to to women, the uplift male women, committed to service to all mankind. So it's, okay. it's e she, it's e girl. easy choice, easy choice. And then easy. I see that you study business management, right? You say you knew that's what you wanted to to do anyway. I guess where did that that foundation piece start? Because a lot of people go to college, they have an idea of what they want to do. Two years in, they switch the idea. So how does that process work for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so don't get it twisted. Like in the business sector, I was switching around. I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to do, but I knew generally I was going to have some sort of business impact. Like from even younger than high school, like I would remember um, riding down Wilmington, Delaware, which is the downtown area where all the big banks are. And I would see like these corporate professionals in their tailored suits on lunch break. And I would think to myself as an adolescent, like, be careful, I'm coming for your job one day. Like, don't I don't know where I got that from as a child, but that's literally what I was thinking. So I always knew I was going to have impact in the business space. Um, but I did begin to, like, kind of figure with figure out what that would look like once I got to college. I was an accounting major at one point. I had a theater minor at another point. I was, Listen, your girl was just trying stuff out and I just was trying to figure out what stuck. No, I like it. I like <laughs> it. You have to do that. Right. Because I was uh, actually speaking on a panel. Um, earlier this week and I just kind of told them it's almost as important to know what you don't like um, while you're navigating to find what you like. So um, kind of carrying on with uh, what MH kind of spoke on, where did the drive for education come for you, right? Like, I mean, you know, went to HBCU, you got your master's at Drexel, now you're working on your doctorate, I believe, right? Like, so where did the drive or the passion for like education and is it like, is it a push because for work or just kind of give us, you know, where, where all that stems from? Yeah. So I would say it's not a push for work. Um, it's not even it's not a necessity, I would say, in our field. Um, but for me, one thing that I've always allowed to, to drive me is the fact that I always wanted to be the best. Um, when I started in ticket sales, I always came in with the mindset, I'm going to be the best. Um, and even just being in the sports space period, I always wanted to be known as the best. And to do that for me, again, comes from just fine tuning that craft by way of not only experience, but also education. So it's to be the best. I don't care if I'm working at McDonald's. I'm going to be the best burger flipper. People are going to fly in to watch me flip burgers and drop flies, like drop fries. It's, it's who I am. I always wanted to be affiliated with the best. Okay, shout out to Calvin. Um, <laughs> so with that, um, you also studied over abroad too. Not Calvin. Right? 
<laughs> that that was a late hit for you, right? The '90s McDonald's commercial. You were that was a late hit for you. It's all good. <laughs> One of our people gonna be listening to that, and it's gonna catch them late. But um, but uh, so you traveled. I mean, you did a, a semester or a summer abroad. Um, how did you get into that? I Man, that was something that I've always wanted to do. Um, what sparked that, and what was the program that you went to, or you yes. went through to do it? Yes. So um, my school had a relationship uh, with a school in Asia. It was our sister school in Asia. Um, And I I wanted to do something that would stand out on my resume. And I asked my parents and at first they said no. So I kept asking and they kept saying, "Okay, cool, but you have to pay for it on your own. Um, So I found the money somehow. Uh, One of my professors actually also helped to pay for it because he really wanted me to get the experience. Shout out to Dr. Kwok at Delaware State University. Um, But yeah, I I wanted to to have something that set me apart. And I would say that that experience uh, was a a game changing moment for me um, because it allowed me to see that my competition was not only at Delaware State University, It wasn't up the street at Temple University and University of Delaware. It was worldwide because these students was in the libraries on Saturdays. Um, So it was it it, it was a a great experience because at that time between you and me, y'all and me, school was cool, but I didn't really take it that serious like that. Like I was a sophomore. I mean, I was, you know living life. (laughs) Um, But that experience allowed me to, again, open my eyes and understand that like, okay, this is bigger than you. You got to get serious. So moving from college, right. And then I'm, I'm always, always interested in into that transition into the, to the real world. So we're not quite into your career, but just graduating, right. The feeling of accomplishing graduation and then knowing whatever my next step is, how did that process work for you? So I knew that my next step was going to be in sports and entertainment post-graduation, but it did not happen immediately. So my expectation was to graduate. And as soon as I step off of campus, step onto the scene in sport, that ain't how it happened. So my first job out of school was at a retail store in the mall. And every day walking in there, I just felt like such a failure. Um, But that experience it, it taught me that um, you really need to live in the moment because the things that you're learning in those not so great experiences are things that can be applied to when you actually get that opportunity. Um, not only that, it birthed like a certain grit inside of me. Like if I can go through this, I can go through anything. If I can, if I can do this, then by all means, like I'm, this thing is going to success is at my fingertips. This thing is going to happen. Awesome. So, I mean, that brings us into a great transition. So now we're kind of what we call uh, we call in the game. So this is really getting in talking about uh, your career path and, and some of the things. So, you know, that is my first question is how did you go from retail to, you know, NFL exec? And I mean, um, what was that pivotal moment when you're sitting there and you're just like, OK, you know, this is not where I want to be. You know, I know this is I'm here for a reason. But what was that pivotal moment like to get into that first actual job? And I believe was it with the G League? I may be, I may be skipping a few, but what was that trivial, um, that transition from you know retail to getting into sports? Yeah, so let's get it clear. I never wanted to be in retail. That's just <laughs> the only people that will hire me. Um, well, that helped your shoe game, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, but no. Um, so throughout that process, like I was interviewing like over and over and over, and it was so much so like. 
I used to take one a legal pad like this with me to interviews. And with each page, I would fill out, you know, what the job was about, the mission, the vision, so I can go and prepare. Do you know I went through a whole legal pad before actually landing my first position in sport? Yes. So it, it was real. Um, but after retail, I got a job in like an office. It was cool, but not really what I wanted to do. It was for the state of Delaware. Um, and then again, I kept interviewing and interviewing. And then I came across this opening with the, at the time, the Delaware 87ers. And I submitted my application. I went on LinkedIn. I didn't find the hiring manager, but I found somebody that worked there and she had her email up. So I took the hiring manager's name and guessed his email by way of like the worker having her email up. And then mm -hmm. I emailed him saying, hey, I'm really interested in this. I can do boom, boom, boom. Would love to chat. And I didn't get a reply to the email, but eventually he called me in for an interview and the rest was history. Love it. Can, so can, can we get a little mini version of this, uh, of the TED talk here? Because this is where <laughs> I have some, some, so many questions. Um, because it takes a skill, right? And, and it takes a little bit, as you said, grit. And there's some yeah. other words that might not be appropriate just to say like, hey, put myself out there, right? Selling mm -hmm. myself, right? Before, obviously. So I guess where did that part come from? And was that e difficult at the time for you at all? Or was it just natural to you? Um, so definitely not natural. Um, I am 100% by nature an introvert. So every time that I put myself out there, it is challenging, but I do it. Like what's the worst that can happen? That's the question that scares a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. that question alone. Like my ears started sweating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you know, and, and I think that's where our mind goes, right? Like it takes those kind of challenges. And I think, you know, uh, we can relate. So I'm in sales and, you know, a lot of people like, oh, I couldn't do that. Right. The rejection or tell yep. people. <laughs> so me and MH has this conversation all the time about like what, you know, I'm built for. And then I tell him like, you know, just how he deals with certain things, you know, working in like community and working with certain people and like the patience he has to have working with okay. youth and things like that. So we all find our skill set. So to answer that question, um, that's a scary proposition, though. So <laughs> commend you for, for stepping out. <laughs> Facts. But yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the TED talk, right? Like what? You say you're an introvert, but you you did a TED talk like that's TED talk, like, an actual, an actual, actual TED talk with slides on the little carpet with slides. <laughs> y'all, do y'all want to know something that nobody knows? I almost fell up there. You can't you can't see it in the video, but my heel did like a little wobble thing, and I stepped back to play it off. But I almost took the biggest L of my life doing that TED talk. Oh boy, you got that You got all of this stuff to stack up, but no, like so. How was that process? Do you have to submit something? Do they reach out to you or is it both? Like, how, how did you get on that stage? Um, it came from a LinkedIn connection and he actually reached out, I want to say maybe even a year ago. Mm. Um, and to be honest, EJ and MH, like I was so scared. I put it off and I didn't do it the first time around. This was supposed to happen like months ago. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So he does this event twice a year so he find, he hit me up um about a month before and no i hit him up and i said hey just wanted to follow up on this and he goes um actually we're preparing for our next one 
And I paused on replying to that because I was a little nervous. And I waited like a week and I was like, all right, hopefully he filled all the spots so I can just, you know, say that I missed it. But he was like, oh, no, we're actually meeting tonight. Um, so I jumped on the <laughs> I jumped on the TED talk call and, you know, we talked through it and it was the rest was history. I was so nervous. I was I was so nervous um, preparing for the, the whole thing. I took some some weeks off of school to focus on it um, because I wanted to do it right. And it turned out well to me besides me almost falling and taking the biggest L of my life. <laughs> and no one noticed. Not <laughs> set up. Even if you attempt to replay it, you probably won't see it. <laughs> so, um, you know, as I shared and, and I kind of want to get our audience up to speed is, you know, you have a background in sales, which is another um, kind of thing where it's a, a male dominant. Well, sports in general is right. Male dominant, white male dominant. But sales, um, getting, you know, females, excuse me, women in sales. I was uh, eat, uh, I was taught it's women um, in sales. is just it's just incredible. So how did you kind of get into that and not only get into that, like chick ass and take names? Yeah. Um, well, as you know, like in our industry, the, the best way to get into the industry is through inside sales. Um, so I did that with the expectation that, you know, I would pivot into something like communications that my goal was to quote unquote, get my foot in the door. Right. Which is frowned upon. You're not supposed to do that. Um, but once I got there, you know, I was like, I'm good at this. You know, I just kept selling and kept climbing up the sales board. So I stayed there uh -huh. and I, I really did. Um, I found a true love for sales. And to this day, I still love sales. Um, the only reason why I pivoted is because I feel like I'm doing more of my purpose work now. Um, but yes, I would advise if somebody's out there is looking to get into the sport industry, I highly advise them to look into getting in sales. So ed educate the guy in the room, both of y'all, inside sales. I, I, I just educate me on that. Explain. Either or. Y'all, y'all, so, let me know. This is about you, but yeah, inside sales is really kind. And why y'all both smiling the same way? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> educate your boy, please. Thank yeah. You. So, so definitely, inside sales is you know, like I said, a starting off route. You know, it's you know your leads and the way you you prospect is different. The sale type is different. The it's I want to I don't want to disrespect it, but I, it is true. It's a turn and burn kind of environment uh, before you get into things like, you know, mostly that's what we call premium sales, which is um, sponsorship, PSLs, um, yep. things that take, that's a bigger dollar value, sweet sales. Um, that's a bigger dollar value. And it's a more, uh, you need more tools in your tool, tool bag to, to close those kind of deals and have those relationships. But um, inside sales is really, you know, I'm getting my season tickets. You want a partial, half, full, you know, what kind of plan? Groups. Don't forget about groups. And then just kind of, you know, getting those people on board, renewing them, and then servicing those clients when those things come out. And you have a bigger client base when you deal with those as well. So, um, no, it's definitely a way. I attempted to avoid that at all costs on my route. <laughs> when did, I went you get, did you not start the inside sales? I did not. Oh. I was. A mentor of mine told me, said, EJ, do not do inside sales. Oh, my it, God. I had a longer road <laughs> to get <laughs> in. But it's just because of the the, 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 the the nature that people burn out inside sales people. Sometimes you get burned out before you get to that next level, right? Depending on management and places you go and all that good, good stuff. But that is definitely a way to 
get your foot in the door, which is definitely frowned upon. So you mentioned something enough about that. Let's get back to you. You said working in your purpose, right? And, and yeah. you did do a big change, right? So now you're in the DEI space, right? Um, and, and we see that a lot more. We hear a lot more of it because of, you know, the events have happened over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. but really two, two part question. How did you get into that? You know, where you kind of seek, this is something you, you kind of apply for when you saw and what change or effect or, or do you think that you're having in that role? Yeah. Um, so I was the director of group sales a few years ago, two years ago, maybe. And simultaneously, um, I started along with some of my colleagues, the first employee resource group for the team. It's, it was called the Black Engagement Network. Hold on, um, let's, let's, you, you helped start that. Let's let's make sure we put that in there. <laughs> yes, yes, that was that's still it was my baby. Yes, that was my baby. Um, so yes, I, I helped to start up the Black Engagement Network. And um, I was the co-chair for that for a couple years, again, while simultaneously being the director of group sales. Um, eventually, I was approached by our leadership team and asked, you know, is this something I would want to do full time? And they presented the role. Um, and to me, it was a no brainer. So I pivoted from sales to doing diversity, equity and inclusion work. Um, so officially, I've been in the role for a little over a year. But, you know, okay. I've been doing the work ever since I stepped on the scene. I just got to make that clear. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I feel it. And uh, why, why in, in your opinion, why are resource groups so important, particularly in the, the sports world where, um, to your point, is male dominated and there's not a lot mm -hmm. that look like us in some of those roles. So why is that important? Yeah. Number one being community, right? I think it's easier to thrive somewhere when when you have a village of people um, who want to see you win, who want to pour into you and you all are just there to uplift each other. Um, secondly, ERGs can play a role in your development within the company. Um, if the program is effective, then, you know, you have opportunities for mentorship and exposure to exposure to leadership and um, even opportunities to hone your own leadership skills if you'd like to serve on the board. Uh, so ERGs can really be a game changer for organizations. And I advise all sports teams to have them. And what is the synergy from my fault, EJ? Um, yep. You know, I'm not a frat, so sororities and fraternities. How how did that experience help you into starting something like that in in, in a, a sports industry? Honestly, it it helped a lot. Um, just <laughs> being exposed to you know that not only the fraternity sorority life, but just the HBCU experience where everything is a big collective family. Um, when I got to, you know, my company and I saw so many different, you know, black and brown professionals and I was like, okay, there's no meeting that we can have or something that we can do to, you know, come together. <laughs> um, so upon research and, you know, being a student of this, I discovered ERGs and then I was calling around to certain individuals. Shout out to SA. I think she was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. Talked to SA maybe like a year before we actually launched and she helped talk me through it. And she's been a great resource. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, yes. So where two or more gather. What, what the words say? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so that was, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was a, a, another kind of two part question I was going to ask. Was one is like, um, 
where were you finding the resources, not only for ERGs, but as well as for your DNI work, right? Like, mm -hmm. because that stuff is sometimes so new that you need to kind of reach out to other companies that are doing it right, right? Or having success. So are there certain companies that you've talked to or that you've seen? Um, you know, we've heard of a couple kind of like out there, but I wanted to know, were you personally reaching out to, to anyone? And then also the second part, and I'll refresh oh, this because it's a long question. Okay. Um, the second part is, um, and yeah, that legal pad. <laughs> that legal pad, but the second <laughs> part is um, how do you get your organization to really um, support? Because, mm -hmm. like, I've started a resource group when I was with a casino company, right? And I know there's some sports organizations currently here in Las Vegas that are, are, are looking to build those. So if you could hit on those two points, the one, like, who's doing it right or who you're reaching out to um, to, to, to help you, and then um, how are you getting the support internally for uh, your own resource group? Love that. Okay. All right. So the first question is, <laughs> say it again. No, I'm sorry. No worries. No, the first question is, who are who are you reaching out to um, that's doing it right? Got you. Um, so who am I reaching out to? I would say that with any role that I've ever had, I've always identified um, individuals that I can just call on. Um, for example, like, even starting in like the inside sales account executive area um, in the G League, we they used to the NBA for those of you who used to work in the NBA or work in the NBA, they used to produce like a list of the rankings. Like, right. So you see like everybody, the top revenue producers, the bottom revenue producers. So the top revenue producers, I would call them and I would reach out to them and I would find out, hey, what are you doing? And that's where I learned like to wow. jump out of my shell and to get beyond my ego, identify the people who are doing the best work and affiliate myself with them. Um, the same thing translated when I was a director of group sales at my current company and the same thing translated here in the DEI space. You mm. know, I found those people who are doing it right. And I literally just call them, right? People want to help. People want to make sure that you're on the right path. So um, SA was a, a great person to talk to as far as several others in the league. And it was a great experience. Um, as far as receiving organizational buy-in, well, did I answer your first question? Absolutely. Yes. So, okay. yep. And two is just, yeah, well, how did you get organizational buy-in? Because that's it's cool to check the box and yes. say we're going to do it. You know what I mean? But but seeing that movement and support. Yes. So uh, the first piece of advice that I give to everybody is number one, like get out your feelings, check your emotions at the door. Um, when you're trying to launch something like this, like CEOs do not talk in feelings. I feel like I'm blank. I feel like this. Nobody cares about how you feel, unfortunately. Right. Identify the issues and identify a solution. That's how you're supposed to approach it. Uh, secondly. You want to, and I learned this in sales, EJ, like you want to speak to what's important to the individual, right? Nice. So nice. if you're speaking to the um, head of the partnerships department, the sponsorships department, and you want to get their buy-in, talk about how doing something like this can be a, a great look for some of our partners or can allow for partner engagement for specific events. You know, if you're talking to the head of HR, talk about how this program can help you retain, recruit and develop the best talent. So you want to make sure that your messaging uh, is tailored to the specific individual that you're talking to. Absolutely. And one of the ones that I've noticed is the Cleveland Cavaliers are one that's as far as um, the and I doing it right. Um, mm -hmm. 
their leader talks about the monetary portion of it. And when you start talking about dollars, MH knows that always uh, when we're talking about certain yes. things, like when things go left or how things can improve, it comes down to that, you know, dollars and cents of it. And the Cleveland Cavaliers has done a lot of great initiatives and, and speaking on how they really talked about how the, the DNI can not only help, like you said, partnerships and, and just different avenues because people are more conscious of their do of their dollars nowadays. So that's super dope. So I come from the world of everything matters, right? I think no matter what you're doing to where you want to get to get to your goals, it all matters. So there's two words that you kind of hit on that I, I want you to back up on and kind of express more a little bit. Sure. Ego and emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, Ego being the the more important one. And I'm sure you were humbled at some point doing retail and shoes because, you know, I worked at Kohl's and I was humbled <laughs> several times <laughs> at Kohl's with doing shoes. So I guess talk about that portion of your life and how it plays into being an NFL executive now. Like that's a huge, that's a huge swing. Right. And that's yeah. and not that long. Right. That's less than what, 15 years. You know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. that's. That's a significant swing. So how did the ego part play into that? What did you learn from that that low point, I guess? Yeah. So <laughs> um, like I said, you know, at, at Delaware State, you know, you spend some years being on top on campus, you know, being a senior class vice president, a.k.a. you got a twin. You just walking around looking fly on campus. You think once you graduate, at the, the job opportunities are going to come flying, right? All day. Doing it. <laughs> but your girl's phone was dry come May 2012, okay? Your girl's phone was dry. Nobody was calling me. Nobody was emailing me. Um, so, yes, that was certainly an ego check. And um, I would say for anybody who may be experiencing that, like adopt the spirit of servitude, right? Mm -hmm. When you're when you're serving, ego goes out the door, humility goes up, and you're also tapping into your purpose and you're learning things about yourself that you can begin to apply for for your career and for your future. So, yes, check the ego at the door. The, door, the doors of the church are open. <laughs> Speaking of the doors of the church, I mean, uh, you got some vocals. Um, did, you, yeah. did, you, um, did, you, did you be blessing blessing them with? Like, like, talk to me about that, man. And I, I mean, and, oh, so, so we're gonna we gonna be humble on here. That's cool. A, a and B selection, right? <laughs> listen, listen, we're gonna share uh, all your uh, social media with the folks after so they get, they gonna see it for themselves. But no, let's talk about even that, right? You know, so you know, you have the day job. And I think one of the things that's awesome that I love that you promote and you talk about, and we'll get into your books. We're, we're, we're getting to that point, but uh, without, uh, you know, stealing that thunder, talk about like that nine to five, like you're an advocate of nine to five and then walking into your other passions. So, you know, talk to a little bit about that and then talk about some of the events that you do, uh, whether they're the faith-based faith-based events that you or the other events, because I think that that's one of the things where, you know, entrepreneurs are like knocking people with nine to fives. Right. And, and, and you know, I think Gary Vee long time ago, it's like, no, you don't have to quit your nine to five. You just need to hustle more from your seven to 12. Mm -hmm. So kind of talk to us about that and, and what made you start that role. Yes. Yes. So y'all know I'm all for the nine to five. I love being a, a sports girl, a sport professional. Um, but I do believe that, you know, in order for me to tap into every single gift that I have, um, 
I need to do some some other things outside of work. And um, it's never it's not designed to, you know, be a competition for my nine to five. It's, it's designed to work in in conjunction with my nine to five. Um, I don't like this rhetoric that everybody should quit their jobs and and, you know, be online social sellers. OK, if that's you, cool, but don't demonize the nine to five. Right. If you do that. How are you going to get into the games? EJ's not EJ's not going to sell you a ticket, even though he don't sell tickets. He doesn't advocate for that. <laughs> but right. How, how are you going to how are you going to go through the Chick-fil-A line if people you know don't have nine to fives? Um, so I really wish that people would stop doing that. But I will also challenge the nine to fiver to to look internally and to see what gifts they're not tapping into and maybe like see what are the things that's keeping them up at night. And I would ask them to start to cultivate that, right? And start to figuring out like, hey, what do I want my personal brand to look like? Is there content I can create around this? Is there sellable content that I can create around this? Um, so yeah, I encourage everybody to have not only a nine to five, but also a five to nine. That's cool. Quick as we ready for them? Yeah, man, all you. All right. So Chanel, these are some kind of quick hit questions. Get to know you. Some things that come top to mind are mine for you. All right. Okay. We good? You look nervous. What? 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 what why, why you get that nervous look? It's okay. Let's go. Easy questions. So, first time, if ever, that you've been starstruck. First time, if ever. You we trained to not be starstruck. Okay, that's 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 fair. Chris Brown or Usher? What What is the question? Chris Brown and Usher. Which what, one? What you Which I, I, <laughs> legend. All the above. Yeah, all <laughs> the above. Let's just go. Uh, let's go performer then. Let's just just do performer. Performer. I think that's hard to say because you can't you can't pick the student over the teacher. Yeah. So the the, the answer is pretty easy then, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was. I, that's, that's what I was. I walked into that. It's all right. <laughs> so, uh, favorite place to travel? I went to Paris a couple years ago. It was amazing. We going shoe game here. So, uh, sneakers. Give me your top three, and then uh, I want to get the the heels. Let me let me get some of your heels here. Top three heels that you would wear. Casual day. And uh, you stun day, a casual day, and then you stun on a day. Y'all, I my sneaker game is weak. Okay, I got some rose gold Air Maxes. I like those. <laughs> That's They're right. really cute. I got some right. colorful Adidas. Um, they're really cute. <laughs> and then you know, on chill days, like maybe like a Vans, you know. Okay, that tells a lot about a person. I'm telling you, shoes tell a lot. You know this. You you know this. No, say a lot about this person. All right. Uh proudest accomplishment. Mm, writing not one but two books in the pandemic. And my TED talk. It should be. <laughs> Who's your hero? Um, he rose. Okay. Any nicknames? Really? Uh, Let's get it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, uh, some people 
like close family, close family would call me Nelly, right? But my also my first manager in ticket sales used to call me Nelly too. But Nelly, family nickname. There it is. I had a Nelly name belt too. Hold on, you gotta explain that a little bit. Right. <laughs> Y'all hear my name belt? I, no, I, I, I not me. I, I, I don't. Not. I don't know EJ. I did not. I don't, <laughs> I did not. Is that an East, is that an East Coast thing? I, I don't know. What is? Oh, wherever you're watching this, please comment below if you had a name belt. <laughs> Put it out there. We want that. Matter of fact, this is definitely going to get clipped for a Throwback Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely okay, getting clipped. Can you explain real quick what the, the name belt? Let me. What what is, what's that? It's it custom, like, right? Literally, it was like a a belt, but then it was like a silver metally thing and then you would get your name in it so i got well, it's customized so yeah. you had to go to somebody's mall yep. <laughs> and, yep. and order this okay yep. <laughs> and they <laughs> look confused yeah I, I am i am but no it's great um okay uh if you had a, a dinner with five guests who would that dinner be and what would you guys be eating uh we would be eating some vegetarian friendly slash pescatarian friendly cuisine mm, i like it um my five guests alive or top yeah, five dead or alive top five alive um scent marshall um john maxwell john c maxwell mm. gary v um my twin sister. Got one more. Love it. Uh, I say Gary V, right? Yep. Coach Stormy, because she got to talk about the low vibrational. Play. Did y'all see that on Instagram? No. Saw a little bit not. clip of it, but I didn't listen to <laughs> the whole not. thing. You didn't. So go back and watch that one. <laughs> I, I, I got some homework. <laughs> right. And I, I'm going to be a little messy real quick because I'm a Knicks fan. What What the 76 was doing this year? Uh, I mean, big and thing, mm -hmm. right? You got to stick with them. Mm -hmm. I can't okay. stand somebody that switches teams, so I'll never be a team switcher. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to stick with my Sixers. <laughs> Shout out to Joel Embiid. I'm good, EJ. I appreciate you, Chanel. All right. We, we, we learned some stuff in that one. We so, did. Uh, <laughs> so that's all good. I'm going to get that belt. Let me get that belt. <laughs> I know what I'll give you for Christmas, man. All I right. So, it. all right. So, uh, now we're jumping into the winner's circle. Um, it, it has been alluded to from the opening and, and a couple things. So, we got to start with two time author, right? So, you had two books. Um, so the first one was, um, the story, oh, the, the story, the success playbook, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was the, and what was the, the, the time difference between those? And then give me why you wrote them. And the second one was the art of taking L's. So writing a book, like we hear different yeah. stories about people who, who write a book. So give me what made you want to write a book and then that process. Um, What made me want to write a book? I always knew that I was going to write a book. Mm. I didn't know about what, but I just knew. Um, so the pandemic, I actually was trying to write this book for several years, but the pandemic is when I started down. Trying to write yeah. the first one for several. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I finally got the opportunity to sit down and just concentrate on it. I also connected with a mentor, 
um, and connecting with him just like made it a breeze. Um, the reason why I wanted to write the success playbook is because I wanted to um, just have my thoughts, the way I think, the grittiness, the everything, like the art of taking L's, everything. I wanted to have it in a book um, so that it can help other people by the, the masses. Right. I often get asked in my LinkedIn DMs like about my career journey, how I got from here to there. This is that's why I wrote it. I want to be able to like clearly explain, you know, my career path, how I got from point A to point Z. Um, and I just want people to have constant access to it. What's a dope like takeaway? I know you have like a lot, but what's one of your favorites that maybe like you always run back to? Right. Because yeah. we always have like those quotables or something, especially in sales, like like you know, ABC and all of that. What's one of like those dope quotables in your first book, the success playbook um, that you always go to that you, that you like to share with people? Oh, wow. Like I'm so unprepared. Um, I was so not prepared to talk about this book, but here we are. But there it is though. So for, for our listening audience, she has <laughs> the, a beautiful cover up. Um, you know, with her killing it in that white dress, book, <laughs> which is her first book. If you don't have it, it's uh, it's available in all stores. You know, we, we pump that. I'm waiting for the audio book, by the way. Oh, <laughs> did I say I was going to do that? No, but you need to. Oh, we just get that out you're there. right. You're right. Um, my favorite, like, gem dropping thing, and this just came to me randomly, um, in the success playbook, I have quotes throughout. So some from me, some from, like, sport figures. Um, my favorite is my mind is a million dollar empire. Giving you my peace will be a bad investment. Um, and that came to me. Thank you. That came to me when like I was really annoyed at something that somebody said to me at work and it really mm -hmm. got under my skin. And it was for like a whole 24 hours I was in my bag. Um, but then I just thought like I am an author. I'm a speaker. Like my mind is literally a money making empire. Why am I giving this so much of my peace? Tools. The art of taking L's. I'm I'm so interested in this philosophy for a couple of reasons, but one, um, hold it up. Let's go. Definitely hold it up. <laughs> I, my dad. One of my quotes that I live by. My dad always told me was like, "Hey, you win early, you win a long time," and I yeah. I kind of live by that as well. The art of taking L's. I think the result are is the same but it's just kind of a different mindset. So how did you get into that mindset of the art of taking L's there? Yeah. Um, it was honestly a combination of like highs and lows throughout my career. Um, the fact that, you know, it took me a while and took me some hurdles to get into my career. Uh, so I wanted to, again, like house my thought process into a book to show others you can get beyond your L. You can get beyond this low place that you're in. Um, and I got the note yesterday that it's officially trademarked. So I'm the official owner of the Art of Taking L. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. Let's go. So um, in that book writing process, right, because there's so many and, um, you know, I've heard people just talk about the whole book writing process. And you did. I don't know if you did this, but it's it, it came out that for the art of taking L's, you kind of had co-authors. So mm -hmm. she, what was that experience like, you know, bringing in other people to kind of like um, um, under this umbrella of the overarching theme? How, how was that writing that book and, and sharing this process with others? Yes. Yes. So. I knew I wanted to incorporate authors um, in this book because there are some L's that I just haven't taken. 
Um, and there are things that I wouldn't be able to speak to that, that my audience needed to hear about. Oh, um, okay. Like, for example, like one guy talks about his experience with divorce. I've never been divorced. Um, there was some who, you know, lost a parent. Uh, by the grace of God, I haven't lost a parent. So it, it touches on pretty much any scenario you can think of. And it, it teaches you how to navigate through that. Success University. Can you talk about that a little bit? Okay. <laughs> y'all did y'all research. Um, so that was a, and it's, it's under construction now. Um, that was a class style university um, that allowed me to impart into others and address some of these questions that I would get asked a lot, i.e., you know, how to create content, how to be, be in, um, be involved in personal branding, uh, how to negotiate, you know, once you get into your business, like how do you negotiate certain things with maybe vendors and things like that. Um, so it was a overall course about four weeks. And I just taught some notes and nuggets to my audience. Love it. So talking from a podcast perspective that you're familiar with that, um, you know, you've, you've had a few channels and just kind of, like I said, you, you're definitely a, an upfront person. So to say that you're kind of an introvert is just, you know, it's amazing. But I understand amazing. how you can be an introvert, but know how to turn on, turn the switch on and make it happen. So you have a few things and I kind of want to the audience to hear a little bit about like, how did, you know, double portion, which is a play on you and your sister, that's dope, kind of turn into like double dose, right? Like, because it's, it seems like it's many facets, right? It's, yeah, it's the podcast, but it's the clothing you guys do, the brand building, the the so talk to the evolution of that. Yeah, yeah. So it actually it all started with our mobile app that we had a few years ago. Um mobile and app. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great. That was that was great. Um it started with the mobile app, and we used to send these daily quotes and inspirational quotes and affirmations and all that good stuff, scriptures. Um every day to our audience. And um, they were really hungry to be poured into. So that's pretty much what our brand became about is, you know, pouring into others, um, bringing them closer to, to God and their faith, all that good stuff. For those who know me know that I'm, I'm deeply rooted in my faith. Um, so that's where that started. And then, you know, clothes stemmed from that. So a faith-based faith-based clothing line. Um, and then now we have our podcast in which it's like a fusion of Shonda and Chanel. Chanel, who's like the sports individual, Shonda, who's like the psychological therapist. Um, and together we're double dose, two different people, two different personalities, two different perspectives. Dr. Shonda. Dr. Shonda. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, What's next? I mean, yeah. like, are, are, are we looking at, and I'm my bad, MH, because I know you're, we were. Stole the question the right out. I, that was, yeah. yeah, same way, brother. I mean, you got an app. I mean, you spoke on Fox Soul, <laughs> CNN, TED Talks, books, you know, you got your career popping, you know, the faith base, you know, the, the doors of the church are open. So I mean, what is next? Another book? Like, talk to us, short term, long term, whatever you want to share with us. But we, we want to hear it. We're excited about it. Yes. Um, so I said I'm not writing another book until a publishing company approaches me and they have some sort of six figure deal on the table. So oh. here we go. Put it out I'm there. Speaking it to existence. Put it out there. <laughs> um, but yes, a book eventually. And um, continue with school, continue with speaking, uh, continue with the podcasts 
with an S because, you know, I have me and my sisters, but I also have my own. Um, but I do plan to, in the immediate future, I want to help some of my peers get their personal brands together. Like I've, I've been approached about that. Like people who are in the sport industry, they love being in sports, but they know that like they have a book inside of them. They just don't know like how to start or like they know that they're some sort of speaker or a podcaster, but they just don't know where to start. Um, mm -hmm. So I would like to, to figure out how to help those individuals. I love it. All right. So here's where we jump into the assist, right? So this is where you get to put your coaching hat on or you get to drop some more of those jewels. You dropped them from your shoot your shot point. But like if, if you got any more that you can share or maybe just something you would tell your younger self. Um, so, yeah, hit us with that. Um, Something I would tell my younger self is the sky's the limit. Success is at your fingertips. Uh, be confident in who you are. Don't try to conform to anybody, um, be authentic and show up unapologetically. It is. All right. MH, you want to hit us with the final thoughts, man? Chanel, appreciate your time and, uh, I'm very excited about your journey and, uh, look forward to supporting you as you continue to grow and, and keep building. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, is there any kind of, social media you want to put out there we're going to put that in the show, show notes you know your definitely website is I, I think is a key spot where they can find you know at least the multiple ways to get to you is there anything you want to share as far as your website social media podcast handles anything like that yeah i'm just um chanel s reynolds on all platforms um chanel s reynolds on instagram same as linkedin and my website well there it is there it is well we want to thank you so much for hopping on the show with us. Um, definitely taking time out of your obviously, obviously busy schedule. So we, we truly appreciate you making time. And, uh, you know, always, you know, you have a home here. So welcome to kind of share things any way we can support and continue to share your message. We definitely appreciate you. Thank you. all It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So we also want to thank you, the people for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and picked out those nuggets. You know, we're definitely going to figure out where you can get that name belt from. Uh, so make sure you comment in the, in, the, in the comments about that. But just please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel because visual representation matter. Uh, subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and know, uh, stay safe, practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got us forcing entertainment until we even... Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. I serve everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.